The 311th Shir of Rambam, moving right along in Hilchas Nachalas. Bav Zayin Ches, the 6th, uh, 7th, and 8th chapters of the Laws of Nachalas. Tomorrow we'll be actually concluding this uh, set of Halachas and the book. We are going to learn once again about the 248th mitzvah. As I said, that's, that's how it ends up in, in, in the Rambam's idea. And the mitzvah was, as we have discussed, the notion that when somebody dies, the residuals of this individual are passed on to the next generation. And, and the mitzvah, the Rambam learns from the Pasuk, Ish kiyomus uvein ein lo, which is found in the book of Numbers, Bamidbar, chapter 27, verse 8. Which is a parsha, not the parsha, but a parsha of nachlas, a parsha of inheritance. And then the Rambam talks about the idea of the firstborn, as we mentioned, and gives us the sources in the Gemara where we find this mitzvah talked about. So in today's share, today I want to share with you two, two, two details. First of all, I want, I want to talk to you about what happens if there's no son. Because it is true that the mitzvah of Nachla, as we mentioned, is for Zecharim Kaidmim, and if there's no son, then the daughters become the heirs. But I want to talk to you, we mentioned briefly previously what happens if a son dies. I want to elaborate on that. And I want to talk about the, the broader schematic of Nachlas, because the truth is that Nachala is not only a mitzvah for children. It, the natural mitzvah is for children, but as we mentioned yesterday, there's a broader implication with regard to the family. And we're going to go through that system now. I also want to talk to you about the fact that the Rambam chooses a, a very strange pasuk. A very unusual pasuk. We'll talk about the din of, of Nachla. Because the din of Nachla, the laws of inheritance, are first and foremost that the son becomes the inheritor. So, what pasuk, what verse does the Rambam quote? Uben enloi. Like, that's the natural fulfillment of the mitzvah. And the verse that he quotes is talking about an unnatural or unusual fulfillment of the mitzvah. Seemingly, there are many verses that would be far more effective, beginning with uh, the end of that very parsha, which talks about, as I mentioned a few days ago, this idea of nachalas will be an eternal inheritance for the Jewish people. And the idea of Nachalas is discussed before this in the Torah as well. So this is going to be my, the two points we're going to talk about. Let's start with the first one. Okay, we said, when it comes to Nachala, a person dies, he has a son, one son, many sons, they are going to be the ones to inherit. Okay, son predeceases, the Ramam says, Ma'ayinim bezarish ben. We have to look at the seed, the progeny. Did the son leave anybody over? If the son has heirs, male or female, but they're inheriting because of their father. So then in that case, they become the inheritor. So let's say Yaakov dies. And he's predeceased by a son whose name is Usher. And Usher leaves behind a daughter named Sarah. Now Yaakov has another son. Not only Usher, he also has a son whose name is Dun. So Dun takes 50%. And Usher, who's no longer alive is going to be inherited by his daughter, Sarah, and she's going to take 50%. So it comes out that the granddaughter of Yaakov, and the son of Yaakov, not our Yaakov of Eno, but a Yaakov, actually end up inheriting an equal portion because Dun and Usher were going to divide this equally. Usher has died already, so Usher's progeny, Usher didn't have any sons, Usher had a daughter named Serach, Serach is going to take the place of her father Usher, and Dun is going to take the other half. And what happens if Dun has predeceased and Dun has ten boys? So then the $100,000 will be divided up like this. The $50,000 will go straight to Serach. And the other $50,000 will be divided, $5,000 for each of the ten children of Dun. That's the way it works. So if somebody has no male sons, then we go to the female progeny. Now, it's interesting that the granddaughter would be before her aunt. So if Yaakov had a son named Usher, and Usher has only a daughter, his name is Serach, 
But Yaakov had a daughter. He had a son and a daughter. He had a son named Usher and he had a daughter named Dina. So Dina is still alive. Dina is not going to inherit because Zecharim, males come first. And I don't want to go into the philosophical thing. This is what the Torah says. And that's, that's what we're going to leave it for today. Maybe a different day we could talk about why is that and how that works. This is, this is, this is the mitzvah. The mitzvah is that Nachala naturally goes first to Zecharim and only after no Zecharim goes to Nikavis. Males, then the females. So it's very interesting now. Yaakov dies, he has a daughter Dina, Dina will not be an inheritor, she will not be an heir because she has a brother named Usher. And even if Usher has predeceased his father Yaakov, and Dina is still alive, she is an actual daughter. And Usher is no longer here, but Usher only has a daughter. Usher's daughter, that's his heir. She, Serach, is going to inherit the fortune of Yaakov, and Dina doesn't receive that fortune. Dina will be with her husband, and she'll get her, her husband's fortune, and her husband's parents, that's what she's going to be able to enjoy. But she will not get Yaakov's. This is the halacha. That's, I'm not even going to go into the rationale. That is the clear and cut, dry halacha. Of course, a person can sometimes, to make uh, peace amongst the family, wants to divide his residuals equally between sons and daughters, and this is a very, very important thing sometimes, and sometimes it presents family feuds, and, and there's a way to do that. We'll talk about that tomorrow. There's actually a, a legal way in which you can circumvent the natural laws as the Torah ordains them to be for maybe some very good reasons. And that's, of course, by gifting everything. You don't want to gift it you're alive. Uh, there's a way, we'll talk about it tomorrow, how, how, that, how exactly that would work. But at any rate, this is, this is the notion. So, if there's no sons in the world, then we go to the daughters. What if the daughters have predeceased? Then we go to the progeny of the daughters. And the daughter of the daughter of the daughter doesn't make a difference. That's who is going to be the one to inherit. And what if we have a situation where a person does not have any children? Or had children and the children died and they left no progeny? So then in that case, then the inheritance goes to the father. So Yaakov had a father named Yitzchak. Yaakov dies without any children. So who's going to inherit his residuals? The answer is his father Yitzchak. The problem is, maybe Yitzchak is no longer alive. Ah. So in that case, if Yitzchak is no longer alive, then we're going to look at the progeny of the father. So let's say that this Yaakov, his father Yitzchak, fathered a number of other sons. They fathered a son named Yosef, and they fathered a son named Yisachar, and they fathered a son named Zvulun. So now Yosef and Yisachar and Zvulun and Binyamin, all these four boys who are the brothers of Yaakov who has just died, fathered by Yitzchak, now are going to inherit. Really, if Yitzchak was alive, Yitzchak would be the inheritor. Since Yitzchak is not the inheritor, now Yaakov is go Yaakov's uh, brothers, meaning his father's sons. And this is a very important thing to point out because the way Nachalas work is mishpacha. Family, for the purposes of inheritance, is not mishpachat ha'em, is not the mother's family, but only the father's family. That's the halacha. That's the halacha. So, if this Yaakov dies, and Yaakov's father was married twice, so Yaakov has two sets of brothers. He has brothers from the same father, and he has stepbrothers from his mother, but from a different father. Those brothers are not in the parsha of Nachala whatsoever. Why? They're not called mishpacha. I mean, of course, the family for, you know, various other things that would be considered family. But as, insofar as inheritance is concerned, Mishpacha Ta'im does not figure inheritance. Of course, you are Jewish because of your mother. But lineage-wise, we follow Zerah Av, the progeny, the seed of the father. And that's the halacha. So, so therefore, okay, so now we're going to, what happens if all the uncles predeceased? Yaakov dies, he was the youngest. All his brothers are long gone. Ah, but his brothers have progeny. So if they have nephews, the nephews are going to go first because that's who goes first. If they have no nephews, if there are nieces, who's going to go? Then, then the nieces are going to be inheriting. In, in whose stead are the nieces inheriting? Instead of their father or grandfather. And that's how it goes, all the way down. And what if the father has no children? 
He only had one son. Yitzchak only had one son. His name was Yaakov. Go to Avram. Go to the Zaydi. And say, okay, the grand Zaydi of Yaakov, is he alive still? I say, oh, sorry, no. Avram has died as well. Oh, Avram died? Okay. Did Avram have any children? In other words, did Yitzchak, did Zerah Ha'av, did the seed of Yitzchak's father produce any children? And the answer will be, well, we have to take a look. Let's see if Avram had any sons, or those sons had sons, or those daughters had daughters. It doesn't matter. Whatever that progeny is going to be, they will become the inheritor. That's like the proverbial uh, you know, telegram you get. Your great aunt said he died and left you all the money. <laughs> the point is, that's how Nachalus works. And in this way, the Rambam says, it is impossible ever that you will find a Jew... There's no such thing as there's no inheritors. You know, they say that there's a will, there's relatives. There's always a relative. The question is how far back? Of course, the only situation where we could have no relatives is when we have a person who converted, who became a Jew, a halachic Jew, Gert Tzedek, a righteous convert. That's a different story. And that, uh, there's another whole set of halachas of what happens with the, the, the Yerusha Sager that goes over to, to uh, the Kornim. That, that's another story we're not going to talk about right now. It's not really part of the mitzvah of Yerusha. That's part of a separate mitzvah and a separate set of halachas. So that's a little bit about the structure. All this part of Yerusha. So if somebody says to you, is Yerusha about children? The, 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 the easy answer, well, of course Yerusha is about children. But that's not the fully correct answer. The correct answer would be that the Yerusha is about family. It's about family. But that could be deceived, deceptive because family, you would think of you know, any kind of blood relative, father or mother. So the answer, it's about the father's family. Family from the seed of the father, that's where the mitzvah of lineage applies. And any progeny, any person who is connected to that tree, to that seed, they become the heirs, the inheritors. All right, let's go back now to, to the Pasuk that the Rambam chooses, which is the Pasuk, as, as you mentioned, chapter 27, verse 8. Ishki yamasoven enlo. It's like such a... It's a strange pasuk, because the Ramam starts off by talking about a situation of Yerusha, which is a non-Yerusha in its natural organic form. Yes, Yerusha means family, I understand. But why would you have to say, and here's the Yerusha, the Yerusha is talking about a situation where Yerusha cannot be done in its natural form, because there's no son, so therefore the daughters become the heirs. Why do we have the pasuk that speaks about Yerusha in a straightforward fashion? It's a very long and detailed and exquisite edit the talk from the Rebbe about this that I, I, is impossible for me to share with you in a few minutes, but I want to share with you a kernel of what the Rebbe explains about this. He actually asks this question, and he deals with this Sefer HaMitzvah, so why does Zaman choose this Pasuk? And he says, first of all, this is the 248th Mitzvah, right? This is, this is the grand finale. The Rambam's system he built, this numbers, the Ramach Mitzvah say, the 248 positive Mitzvahs, this numbers 248, this is it, this is the big deal. Okay. So the Ramam concludes with the following message. A message of verses in the Torah that speak about not just inheriting, but inheriting Eretz Yisrael. In other words, he emphasizes here at the very end, at the grand climax and conclusion of the 248 mitzvahs, we emphasize the concept of Yerusha Sa'oretz, the idea of the land of Israel, the in unbreakable, an innate, natural, organic bond that every single Jew has to the Holy Land of Eretz Yisrael, which is divided up amongst our ancestors, and once it goes to our ancestors, automatically it goes to us as well. And the Rambam says that this is really, in a deeper sense, not only because we are part of Am Yisrael, or we are the progeny of, of the original Jews who entered the land of Eretz Yisrael, but ultimately because it's nachlas, it's an eternal inheritance to an eternal nation, it's what Hashem gives us. And he says, it's very, like an extraordinary kind of uh, twist over here, like, it says, 
it's a Yerusha, it's not, there's no sun. I mean, it transcends the idea of progeny. The Yerusha is not just that we are Bonim Lamakim, that we are the children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but that there is a union, a oneness between us and HaKadosh Baruch Hu that even transcends the concept of, of, of paternity and of, of children. And therefore, there's this unbelievable hit-achtut, this unbelievable oneness that's brought about between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and, and the children, just like the Yorish, as we said, is b'makom hamorish. The Yorish is not another jurisdiction. He is the jurisdiction. The jurisdiction has been modified. The jurisdiction used to be called jurisdiction of Avram. Now it's called Yitzchak's jurisdiction. But it's the same jurisdiction. It's only the name that has changed. In other words, it's one, it's one thing. When we got a piece of land from our ancestors, it's not that it used to belong to them and now it belongs to us. No. The land was given to Am Yisrael and continues to belong to Am Yisrael. Full stop. That's how it goes. We are the children. We are the heirs. We are the inheritors. So we own the land of Eretz Yisrael because the jurisdiction didn't change. It's Eretz Yisrael. It's the whole land of Israel. It was ours and it is ours. That's why Hashem ordained. That's how God gave it to us. That's how we conclude the mitzvahs. I mean, this is like, wow. What, what, what an amazing insight. What a beautiful way to see the laws of, of, of Hashem, the mitzvahs of Hashem, which bind us, which connect us. Mitzvah means tzavta, v'chibur means bond and connection with Hashem. How do we conclude the idea of our bond, our connection, our unbreakable union, our oneness with Hashem. About death? No. But the idea of inheritance, the idea of the oneness of the continuity of generations and our unshakable connection to the holy land of Eretz Yisrael. So this is a very beautiful way to, to view uh, the, the 240th mitzvah of the Torah. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about today for the 311th shir of Rambam. Tomorrow, Bezrat Hashem, we will conclude. We'll conclude the, the laws of Nachalas, and then of course we'll be going on to a brand new book of Mirza